Hey, uh, we uh, glad you're here this morning and uh, glad you're not sick um, and uh, all that good stuff on this New Year's <laughs> Eve. And um, uh, I'll just kind of jump into stuff. Um, you know, I, I've, I've been uh, praying over a certain passage of scripture on and off for a little while. Uh, I, I meet with some guys. Uh, we do what's called a micro group. So uh, you guys have heard of micro churches. We talk a lot about micro churches here. Uh, and that those are small, basically kind of like a small group, our small group ministry, people gather in people's homes and usually eat together and pray for each other and check on each other, that kind of thing. Sometimes, sometimes there's some Bible study involved, but for the most part, it's those other elements. Uh, and the reason the other is not there usually is because the design is that eventually we would have what's called micro groups that kind of, you know, come off of our micro churches. Well, the micro groups are small, little little small groups, little tiny groups, three or four people usually gathering together sometime during the week uh, and just and just going through scripture together. And so I, I've got three guys that I meet with uh, on Tuesday nights at nine o'clock at night in my basement. And it's just because that's when it works for everybody's work schedule to have done this. Uh, and so uh, we gather together and we just we just go through scripture. And so uh, a couple of months ago, we were going through the book of Colossians, which is only, you know, just a few chapters long. So it didn't take very long. So we basically, we take a chapter a week and then we, you know, we commit to reading that chapter once a day, every day and just praying over it, just asking God to show us what he's wanting us to see. And so in the midst of doing that, and, and of course, we're all perfect at, you know, reading it every day and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but but the idea is there. We're pursuing Jesus, and we're trying to pray for each other, and that kind of thing. And, and as we were going through this, in particular, this one passage of scripture uh, stuck out uh, to us. And, and I'll tell you who the us are, because I don't think they'll care if I, I tell who they are. Uh, Chris Miller, uh, Zach Aaron, and Troy Lincoln. Troy Lincoln. If you don't know Troy, he's the God, you know, yeah, that's his daughter. So she's standing in today because he's gone with like forty or fifty of our teenagers to Gatlinburg for winter extreme with a bunch of our adults that have lost their minds. Um, and uh, but uh, anyway, uh, we 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 get together this, and so we we were we were studying through Colossians and we were actually in chapter one. And uh, in chapter one, there's a there's a part of that passage that just stuck out to me. And if and if you'll notice. Like, you know, a lot of the New Testament was written by a guy named Paul. God used Paul uh, to pen a lot of the New Testament. And a lot of it was letters to churches. And specifically, if you take uh, like uh, books like uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, those are the, known as the, the epistles. Uh, those, those epistles, uh, those books, those letters, if you will, they are letters. They are letters to different churches and per the name of the, the book that we have now is to what church it went to in what town. So, you know, Philippians was uh, the letter to the church at Philippi. Colossians was to the letter, uh, was to the church, uh, the letter to the church at Colossae and so on and so forth. And so, um, what's up? To Terry in the hood, come on. And, uh, and so um, uh, we... Uh, we have these letters to be able to see, you know, a lot of different things. And, and as we're studying through God's word, you know, I think we're guilty a lot of times when we study those particular books of scripture that we take those first pieces, those those intro, there's like this little introduction in each one of those. And usually it's talking about I'm thankful and I'm praying for you and that kind of stuff. And I think normally we make this mistake 
of approaching that part of the book a lot of times as like this, oh, I got to get through this so I can get to the meat, if you will. And, and so like we're, we're kind of rushing through these introductions uh, and, and in doing so, uh, a lot of times I think we're missing some really huge pieces. And it's in one of these introductions where God just really began to convict my heart. And he began to, he just began to like show me, he's like, Chris, you're not doing that. You're not, that's not, that's not you. Like I'm modeling something through Paul for you to see. And you're, you're not, you're not even coming close to that right now. And, and, and my heart just got to be convicted about it. Well, fast forward to that's been heavy on my heart. And I've been thinking, and anytime I have like an off week of we're not in a series, we're not walking through a book, like we're going to be starting the book of Mark here uh, in February and whatnot. Uh, and going through that for who knows how long or whatever. But uh, you know, anytime I'm not like, you know, set to teaching something in particular, and I've got an off week ahead of time, I'm kind of thinking about like, what are things going on in our church's life? What are things going on in my heart that God's been speaking to me about uh, that maybe would benefit us as a whole? And so, you know, I, I began thinking about that passage. Well, then, you know, I really, I kind of kept talking myself out of, of teaching it, to be honest with you. And then, and then something happened last night because this really kind of wasn't what I was planning on teaching today. Uh, something happened last night where I just began to like look at, I happened to look at one of the other epistles. I happened to look at the greeting in it. And I started reading through it. And it was very similar. And then I was like, wait a second. There's one of these greetings in most of these things. And I start looking at another, I start looking at Philippians and there's one there and it's very similar. And then I started like noticing the similarities and the commonalities that they had and was like, is God wanting us to see something here that maybe we're not paying attention to because we're treating this little introduction thing as like this. Okay, I got to get through this so I can get to the meat of what's going on. So this morning uh, we are looking at the book of Colossians, the book of Ephesians, and the book of Philippians. So that's uh, that's what we've got going on. In fact, if you've got a Bible, go ahead and get it out. If you don't have a Bible, uh, we've got an usher or two or maybe one, I don't know, uh, that will bring you one. If you'll just throw your hand up and let them get you one, uh, they will uh, They'll be glad to do that. They being Josh today uh, will be glad to do that. Uh, and if you don't own a Bible, we'd love for you to keep that one. So uh, get one from the man so he doesn't feel like he's done this for nothing. Uh, but going to the book of Colossians, Colossians chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1. Um, and uh, in Colossians chapter 1, again, we have this letter to the church at Colossae, and we have the beginning of this letter, we have this greeting. And uh, in this greeting, we see some stuff. Now, the challenge for me this morning, especially in the, you know, I'm going to do this starting as of last night, uh, teaching this, is uh, teaching through the three passages and not wanting to show you every little thing or talk about every little thing like I want to do a lot of times. Uh, and so we're going we're gonna to kind of bust through this. But I think, I think you'll see this in the end. And in the end, we'll talk about some of the commonalities too. So uh, we'll just roll with it. So Colossians 1 verse 3 says this. It says, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. So he starts out, starts out with talking about uh, how he is thanking God for them and that he's praying for them. He's praying for them. And as he's praying for them, he's thanking God for them. Uh, he also is pointing out, um, you know, that, you know, this whole like relationship between the father and the son, uh, you know, 
to the Father, our, our Lord Jesus Christ, and we pray for you. Verse 4, it keeps going. It says, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have that, that you have for all the saints. So a couple things even right there. Uh, he's talking about the recognition of like when they came to know the Lord, when they came to believe in Jesus. Okay, and that's, I think that's important. Uh, and, then, and then furthermore, he goes on to talk about uh, this love that they have for all the saints. Who's, who's the saints? Anybody know who the saints are? Saints are the church. We are the saints. You did not expect to get called a saint today, did you? Because many of you are little devils. No, I'm just kidding. Um, it's just too easy, right? No, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, and, it's, and it's this reminder of grace. It's this reminder that we, may, we might as well. We're, 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 we're a bunch of little sinners. Uh, we were little sinners, and so I almost got to be big sinners. But, um, you know, that's what happens when you grow up. You know, is this idea that we have grace, and grace is something that is undeserved. It is this, it is this gift that God has given us through his son Jesus that if we believe in him, he is enough to save us. And you're like, save us from what? What do we need to be saved from? We, we need to be saved from our sin. Our sin has a penalty. You know, like anything that we do in this world that has a penalty, we do something wrong, there's a penalty. Uh, you know, Jake gets to see this all the time in court, you know, sees all these people. I, I, I wish I just like had time to like come down there and sit around and watch some of this stuff uh, go on. You probably say, no, you, you don't, Chris. But, uh, you know, but, you know, it's, it's the idea that, you know, you, you do something wrong, you go before a judge and he gives you a sentence. You have to pay a penalty. And the penalty for sin, according to scripture, is death. And you're like, man, that is, that's harsh. You know, that's rough. You know, why, why the world? Well, you know, the, here's, here's the main thing that we need to know. And the thing for us to focus on today is the fact that, that God understands this for us. And he understood it. And he loved us enough that he would provide a way for us to get out. And when Jesus went to the cross... He basically went before the judge on our behalf and said, I'll take their punishment. I'll take their death. And all we have to do is believe in him. And so Paul's referring to the moment in their lives when they trusted in him. Verse four, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, again, for the church, Verse five, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. And so he gives, you know, he kind of throws in there, uh, you know, our hope is not here. Our hope is in something eternal. So, you know, we talk about that. We know that, but something's good for us to be reminded of. And of this, you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing as it does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. So we just talked about that. We just talked about that grace that God has for us and the truth of the gospel. Uh, but also, um, in the midst of that, it talks about how it is bearing fruit in the world. And I think for a lot of us, I think we forget that. I think that we forget that, that the gospel is bearing fruit in the world. We look at the world and we just say the world is one crazy messed up place. 
And, you know, we're, we're not thinking about like what God is doing in the world a lot of times. We're just because it's so easy to focus on the negative. And so we're just like, man, you know, the world's just messed up. It's never good. Nothing good happened. And that's not true. That's not true. There's a lot of there's a lot of amazing things that God is doing in the world. And his gospel is bearing fruit. And, and the truth is, is that we are called to be a part of that process, that the gospel would bear fruit through us as believers, that people would see Jesus in us. That's what it means to glorify God. You want to talk about why we were created and the purpose of our lives. The purpose of our lives is, is that we would glorify God. And what it means for us to glorify God is, is that people would know who God is because they know us. In other words, they see God in us. They don't see us putting ourselves on display. They see us putting Jesus on display. And so talks about the, that, you know, in the whole world is bearing fruit and increasing as it does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth. Verse seven, just as you learned it from Ephraim, however you want to say his name, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf. Um, on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the spirit. Now this guy, the reason that I think that this, it's, it's cool to kind of see a picture of this guy is Paul is acknowledging somebody here who has already been doing a work with them at the church of Colossae. And I think a lot of people assume that Paul planted or started the churches that we see him write letters to. And he did help plant many of those churches but more than likely, this is the guy who planted the church. This is the guy who's been telling them about Jesus and teaching them all these things. And he's kind of, you know, Paul's kind of, you know, sending this letter and saying, hey, good for you guys. You guys have had, you know, the E-man here uh, to be your guy, to teach you about Jesus and all these things. Uh, and he is, as he says, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the spirit. So he's saying he's let he's let us know. He's let me know. He is how we know what God is doing there with you is because he's shared with us what's going on. We know because of him. And it goes on in verse 9. It says, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. Now, this is where my conviction started to come in. This is where I started to kind of have this thing set in. Where like I remember, I remember I had been studying this passage, and it's funny. Like I, it was in, it was I tell you where I was sitting in my basement on my couch with these guys in there, and we had already been reading, you know, the passage, and maybe I was not faithful to reading it every day, okay? Uh, but we've been reading this passage over the week, the same chapter over and over, weren't even doing the whole book, just one chapter. We take one chapter every week and go through it, and in the moment that we read this. I was just like, I'm not doing that. Here's Paul, and he's saying, and so from the day we heard, basically the day we heard of what happened when you believed in Jesus, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And, and I remember kind of like sitting back and thinking, man, I need somebody to pray that for me. <laughs> you know, I, gosh, what would it be like to have somebody that just prayed that for me every day? 
And 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 so we we began talking. One of the other guys even brought it up. One of the other guys was like, "Man, what would it look like if we prayed for each other? If we the four of us prayed for each other that every day?" And we all just kind of sat back for a minute, like minds blown. Like how would, how could that change our lives? Like how could that change the trajectory of our entire life if we just prayed that for each other? Well, then we then we kept reading because he keeps going. He's not, he's not stopping there. I'll, I'll read back over it again. It says, and so from this day, we heard, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. In other words, praying, 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 praying every day for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. Good gosh, that's an amazing statement. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding, holy cow, verse 10, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, Fully pleasing to him. What would it, man, what would it be like to be able to do that? Like to, to live a life that's fully pleasing to God. But then to even go further, it says this in verse 11. I'm sorry, not in verse 11. No, it's still in verse 10. It goes on right there. And you kind of have a cause and effect. And here's the effect. Bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. And when we, when we pulled all that out and we read that together, we were like, can we pray this for each other every day? It was just like, man. And so we, we have begun to pray this for one another. That God would show us, help us to see who he is. Here, here's, let me kind of throw something at you. We'll see if it sticks on the wall or not. I think one of the things that's happened in the church at large and with us as Christians is that is that we we've kind of we've kind of gone into you know it's, it's so easy to go into like this cruise control Christianity of like go to church you know, like you know be nice to the neighbors you know and all this kind of stuff like hey neighbor what's going on I love that new car that's a good looking car it's not a good looking car honey it's terrible you know but you know it's kind of that's kind of the life we're living is it like you know we're we're you know we're trying to do all the good things. And trying to do them right, we've got to do enough, to get to church enough to not feel guilty about not being there and stuff like that, you know. And and the truth is, is that God God didn't design any of that for us to start doing check boxes. That's called legalism. That's something we came up with. Those are things that should flow out of our hearts being changed because of what Jesus has done for us. And so. That's the bearing fruit side of things is that true fruit, not rotten fruit, like I think a lot of believers probably are guilty of bearing uh, a lot of days, but like the true fruit is that that comes out of, and as he says, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might and all endurance and patience with joy. That comes from pursuing Jesus. That comes, we'll say it again, from pursuing Jesus. What does it look like for us to pursue Jesus? That's the point of the micro group, by the way. That's why me and those guys get together on Tuesday night at 9 o'clock when we all have families, we all got kids, and we've all got... We've all worked long days already. A lot of times they come in. I'm still working, and I got people there working with me, even sometimes or whatever. And it just and we just you know call time out. We just 
right, this is what we're doing right now because this is important. And, you know, at the end of the day, we have to see, we have to be honest with ourselves. Am I really pursuing Jesus or am I just doing a bunch of Christian stuff? I mean, you can listen to the Christian hit radio all the day long and all this kind of thing. Are we pursuing Jesus? Are we looking for him? Are we seeking him? Are we praying? Are we, are we running after him? Are we, are we interested in this? Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might? What the heck? Like how would that change our lives? For all endurance and patience with joy. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. So he, he's going on. He, he's going on. And he's just building. He's just building. He's throwing building blocks on this thing. Oh, and by the way, this is an introduction. And most of us usually just like, let's get to the introduction so we can get to the meat. You know, we're, we're missing this if we're not seeing this for what it is. This is amazing for us. This is Paul living out an example of what it looks like for us to support and pray for one another. And, and in this picture, he even throws out the, you know, giving thanks to the Father. So still, he's talking about the prayer. He's saying, I'm praying for you. And, and in light of praying for you, I'm reminded that this is the Father. He's the, you know, he's the Father of, of our Lord Jesus Christ. And, and he is who has qualified you, the Father, okay, has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. An inheritance. An inheritance. Wouldn't you love to get a call today? Be like, well, this is uh, attorney so-and-so in the office of... Uh, Biloxi, Mississippi, you had an uncle you didn't know you had. and Well, he was rich. And uh, he's been watching you on Facebook. You know, we'd love that call, wouldn't we? That's not like, you know, get an inheritance. You know, it'd probably come with a catch or something. You know, like you got to, you know, paint your house purple or something. I don't know. You'd probably say, okay, paint house purple. Let's get to painting. Um, and then you get like 10 bucks and joke's on you. Um, but the Father has qualified us, us being people that have believed upon Jesus to be our Savior, has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in life. And I think there's something important for us to think about and be reminded of with the inheritance. And it's that the inheritance is not just an eternal inheritance. Like, like we're, we're guilty. Like we see like the talk of like the inheritance and all that kind of stuff that God has for us. And we think, oh yeah, that's, you know, you know, all that's heaven. That's the, that's the life, you know, after death, you know, kind of thing. I'm excited about that. I'm looking forward to that. I hear that's going to be fantastic. There's rave reviews and, you know, Rotten Tomatoes gives it 10 stars or whatever it is. And, you know, and, but the, but the truth of it is this, the inheritance starts the moment the moment that you believe on Jesus to be your Savior. That's when the inheritance starts. And our lives are changed from it. Because you don't get an inheritance unless you are part of the family. And we, 
are blessed with being qualified by the Father to become members of the family that we may share in the inheritance of the saints in light. And he goes on in verse 13 to even go further. He says, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. This is part of the inheritance, by the way. Like he is pulling us out of darkness. He is saving us and he is transferring us. It says to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That's the greatest inheritance that there's ever been. There is no greater inheritance than that. There is nothing greater for us to ever attain in life above what Christ has done for us and knowing him. And so, why aren't we pursuing him? What does he have for us? What's it look like? What's this look like? What's it look like for 2018 to be a year where we start out pursuing Jesus? What's that look like? Maybe you need to, maybe you need to be in a micro group kind of thing or something. By the way, that's not rocket science. I mean, you come gather with me and the knuckleheads in my basement on, on a Tuesday night, you'd see. I mean, it, we're just, you know, nobody's got Bible commentaries out and all this kind of stuff. We're just walking through Scripture together. But here's what we're doing. We're making disciples of one another. And it's not the preacher making disciples of the other guys. We are all making disciples of each other. But here's, and here's the thing. Like Jesus, how many times does Jesus talk to us and say to us, make disciples, make disciples, make disciples, make disciples, make disciples. How many different ways does he need to say, make disciples, and yet we still ignore it. Make disciples. But here's what we've done with being the Western world church that we are, whatever, is we've turned making disciples into some unattainable, like, oh, people that make disciples, well, that's a Bible scholar, and then some people that sit underneath them and they make disciples of them. No. No. Making disciples is, is just pursuing Jesus together. Together. You don't make disciples alone. Nobody, nobody that I know is making disciples alone. They're doing it together. And it's a huge piece of our calling as believers is to make disciples of one another. Man, I just want to go back and just keep talking about this passage. Let's go to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. And we'll blow through these two introductions. And I want you to see some of the things that I've seen God's been revealing in my heart about the similarities of these passages. Ephesians 1 verse 15. It says, for this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you. Okay, so right off the bat, we see him talking about, uh, I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus. So the word's gotten back. Things are going on. God's working in them. And your love toward all the saints. There again, almost identical reference as to what he says back in Colossians, talking about that you're loving the people of the church. Well, I do not cease, it says in verse 16, I do not cease 
to give thanks for you. I do not cease to give thanks for you. So he does not stop praying. And on top of that, he's praying the same thing. He's praying for them at Colossae. He is, he is thanking God for them and remembering you in my prayers, he says. He's reminding them, I'm, rem I'm praying for you. I'm not stopping praying for you. Not only am I not stopping praying for you, I'm thanking God for you. Let me ask you a question. On the bad days of your life, on the bad days of your life, the reason that they are usually bad is because we talk ourselves into believing one lie. You know what it is? Nobody cares. Nobody cares. If you think back to some of the worst days of your life, you, you, you could probably find that in, within that moment, in that day, maybe other things have happened to you. I'm not trying to, to belittle anything else going on in life. Uh, but for so many of us, on those bad days of our life, we get to a point where we feel like nobody cares. And that's a lie. And we know that's a lie. I mean, but, but Satan loves for us to believe it. Because if he can get us to believe it, then we'll be Debbie Downer all day long. And we'll drag everybody down with us that we can. People see us, how are you doing? Oh, bother. I'm okay. Really? You don't look okay? Yeah, you're probably right. I'm probably not okay. But I don't want to talk about it. I'll see you later. You know, I mean, that's that's kind of that's kind of what we do. Or we just we just seclude. We just pull the curtains, lock the doors, put the couch in front of the door. Like, let's don't let anybody in. Let's don't let anybody know. And God gives us this little jewel of an introduction before the meet for us to be able to see. Paul giving us an example of something that we should be doing for one another. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. How much would it mean for you for somebody to tell you, I pray for you every day. And I thank God for you every day. <laughs> I look around this room right now and I see a lot of people that I know have a lot of people who love them. But if you ask any of them, they'd probably be, if they would be real honest with us today, they'd probably say, you know, there's moments in my life when I don't think anybody really cares. And that's not true. So as long as we don't live out pursuing God for one another and for ourselves, generally speaking, what happens is that Satan uses those moments to get in there and get people to believe in it's not important. Nobody cares about you. You don't even go back to that church. Nobody, you, you wouldn't be missed. Nobody, you know, no. He says, I do not cease to give thanks for you. Remembering you in my prayers. How would it change the lives of some people around you? If you found a group of people or you, I mean, it doesn't even have to be a part of a micro group, but maybe just even a list of people that you just start praying for. People that God lays on your heart and you start praying for them and you let them know. And not for the show of it and not for the pat on the back of it and not for the, well, I'm going to pray for you, so you better pray for me, you know, of it, you know. But just straight up because you care because Jesus has changed your life and you love him and you want them to receive 
the blessings that he has for them to know him and pursue him more, that they would know that you're thankful for them, that they would know that you're praying for them every day. And it goes on in verse 17, that the God of our Lord, Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, good grief, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. So here again, something we also saw in the other letter, we saw this whole, like, I'm praying for you to have knowledge of God. Only Ephesians, he gets wicked on it. He says that the Lord God of our, that, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation. In other words, that you would, you would have a revelation of understanding as you are hearing and seeing the word of God and spending time with him as you are pursuing God, that God would reveal himself to you. The knowledge of him, verse 18, check this out. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope in which he has called you. Wait a minute, what? Go. Are you saying God's called me? Uh-huh. I am. Oh, you mean preachers aren't the only people to get called? Oh, yeah, no. We're all called. We're all called ministers of the gospel. And, and, and God is, is, is clearly helping us to see something. And that's that if we pursue him, our eyes, the eyes of our hearts will be enlightened that we might know what is the hope in which he has called you. Well, the truth is this. The hope is the same. The hope is Jesus. That we would make him known. That's the hope. And that in it, he is our hope. And he goes on and says, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance? There it is again. There it is again. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable, verse 19, greatness of his power toward us who Believe according to the working of his great might. I mean, we could just, I mean, we could just talk for 10,000 years about this passage. I mean, it is unbelievable what God is saying to us here. He loves us. He cares for us. And he has called us as believers among the saints, among the church, among the body, that we would care for one another, that we would love one another, that we would pray for one another, and that we would ask God to reveal himself, himself to us in such a way that we would be blown away by a glorious inheritance. And what is the immeasurable greatness, it says, of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might. So even our believing is according to his great might. It's all in his hands. Holy cow. Holy cow. Verse 20. And he worked in Christ 
when he raised him from the dead and seated him, seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. That's our God. He loves us. He cares for us. And he is the most mighty, most powerful being, thing, creature, entity in the entire world, universe, creation. He made it all. He made it all, and yet he still cares for us. He made it all, and yet he still saw fit to send his son to stand before the judge and say, I'll take theirs. Give me theirs. Give me their sentence. I want it, and I want it now. And all we have to do is believe. And as God is speaking to your heart right now, I'm just going to tell you this. If God is speaking to your heart right now, and He is showing you this, make sure you're understanding it in a way you never have before, or whatever it is, if God is showing you this right now, don't ignore it. Listen to Him. Don't, don't hang your hat on just the fact you went to church all your life or whatever. If you've never trusted and believing in Jesus and, you're, and you feel God leading you to do it now, do it right now. Believe in him. Let him do the work in your heart. Let him do the work in your life. It doesn't matter what you've done in the past. He wants to buy you back and make you new and give you a new life. That is absolutely amazing to me. Because I, I know people, we got, we, got, we got people in our church, I know people that have killed people. You don't want to know if there's people in our church that have been there, right? But I'm just telling you, I mean, I know people that have been there and they have been back and God has reached into the darkness and he has pulled them into the light and he has saved them and today they glorify him and it is absolutely amazing that he can do it and it is proof that nobody, nobody is immune from his love and his forgiveness and to him be the glory for it. Okay. Philippians chapter 1, number 3. Number 3, Philippians 1, verse 3. And it says this, it says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Gosh, wouldn't you love to be told that? Wouldn't you love to know that somebody is going to God for you every day and that when they when they share with you, if you were to ask them, hey, have you been praying for me? And they go, yeah, and you go, well, what have you been praying for me about? And they say, well, I've been, you know, I've been thanking, thanking God and all my remembrance of you. I've been thanking God for you every time I talk to him. And I'm just so thankful for you. And I just let him know that. Wow. Like, we just want somebody to, like, tell our boss something good sometimes about us, right? Like, could you, could you please, like, tell the boss I did a good job today, you know? Verse 4, it goes on, it says, Always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy. FYI, by the way, Paul is writing this from prison. So, probably not usually a whole lot of joy in prison. But Paul is making it known and helping them to see that he has joy and partly because he is remembering what God has done in their life and what, what they are allowing him to do in their life. 
And it goes on in verse 5, says, Because of your partnership in the gospel from the day, from the first day until now. So in other words, from the day you came to Christ till right now. He's talking about this. We've had a partnership thing going on. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work. And folks, I'm about to tell you, this is an amazing verse for you. This is an amazing verse for me. And it's important for us to be remembering things like this. Says, And I am sure of this. Paul says, I am sure of this. That he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. In other words, the work that God has begun in your life, he will complete it. He will complete it. Paul says, I am sure of this. I am sure of this. And that's good news for us because there's a lot of days that we're just like, God, what are you doing here? What's going on? Why is this so crazy right now? I've been thinking about giving up. I'm thinking about doing something else. And Paul's saying, I'll tell you what, I'm sure of this. We haven't seen him say that about anything thus far. I'm sure of this. That he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. He will finish what he starts, folks. And he is specifically saying that into you and me. And that is huge. Goes on, says, verse 7 says, It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. So he's saying two things here. This, I think, is pretty huge. On top of the fact that he's like, you know, we're, we're in this partnership thing together. He's like, we're in this partnership in a couple of ways. First of all, he's talking about his imprisonment. And I kind of kind of give you that to, to point out something that I think is pretty cool. And that's that the church wasn't like, um, uh, you know, like all words, words. Sometimes this happens, you know. Um, um, God, I can't get past this. I've got to come up with it. Um, embarrassed. The church wasn't embarrassed because he was in prison. You may say, well, you know, what's the big deal? He's in prison. Probably a lot of people in church. You've got, you got, you got to think culturally here for a second. Back then, at that point in time, somebody's in prison. I mean, they, I mean like, they're, they're like shunned, usually. Like, you wouldn't have anything to do with them. You wouldn't talk to them. I mean, you wouldn't, you wouldn't even dare think about reading a letter that they may write to your church to like share with the people about how they're doing and the things that they've been praying for you about. You'd be like, oh, no, no, let's go ahead and get that, get that letter in the trash. We don't even want, we don't even tell, tell the mailman not to tell anybody that came up here, you know? And, and that would have been, that would have been the way that people were treated at that point in time. But he's acknowledging that the church was not doing that. He was saying, even in my imprisonment, you are still a partner with me but also, he says this, and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, which is why he was in prison, was he was in prison because he'd been telling people about Jesus. And so he's saying, you know, first of all, you're standing with me in a moment when most people would not stand with me and care for me and love me. And secondly, 
you're still standing for the gospel despite the fact that people like me are getting put in prison for it. We say, how do we know that they're standing for the gospel? Because he says, in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. In other words, in conversations that they're not shying away from the truth, that they're sharing the truth. They're not being scared about it. He says, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. Verse 8, for God is my witness, how I yearn for all with the affliction, with the affection, sorry, how I yearn for all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. So here we go. More things that we've seen over and over in the other letters, in the other greetings, in the other prayers. And I'm praying for you that you would abound more and more in love for other people. In other words, that you would bear fruit in the lives of others, that God would be glorified, that people would know him, and that you would grow also, he says, with knowledge and all discernment. So he's praying the same things for each of these groups of people. In verse 10, it goes on and says, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless in the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ and the glory and praise of God. What's it matter? What's the matter? Why read it? Why study it? Why read three versions of what feels like kind of the same thing? Because I think that that's important. I think that if it was important enough for Paul to basically pray almost the same identical things for three different churches, what would it look like if we prayed it for each other? How might God want to use that in this church's life? How might God want to use that in your life? How might God want to use that in the lives of the people that you are going to pray for? Now, here's the truth. Let me tell you something. Paul's doing a whole lot of praying for a whole lot of people that they would pursue God. I mean, at the end of the day, that's, that's where the plane lands is that he's praying that they would pursue God. But the truth is, is that as he's doing that, he's pursuing God. He's pursuing God, and he is being reminded of the truth of the gospel in the process of doing so. And I think therein lies one of the masterful secrets, that's really not a secret, but for some reason we forget it, of the gospel where we see Jesus telling us to put others before ourselves. And if we did that, even in how we pursue God, we too end up pursuing God and he ends up changing us. Think about it for a minute. Think about praying for someone else that a good work that God has started in their lives, that God would complete that in such a way that he would be glorified in great ways. To be reminded that we could be sure that God is going to do that and to pray that for somebody every day of our life then means that we are being reminded that he's doing that for us too. But then we're praying that he would work in them. And in essence, we're loving and caring for them in a way that they may or may not know. I think it's important for us to make 
people aware that we care. And I think what better way for us other than just like, I mean, I'm not talking about just like the Southern, like praying for you about that, you know, kind of thing like, oh, you know, you got a whatever on your foot. Yeah, I'll pray for you about that. No, I'm like, what would it look like for the people in our life to know we're praying for them every day? And for us to really follow through with that, like for us to follow and pursue God through all the muck in this world and in our life and our busy schedules for us to not do 2017 over again, but to do 2018 in such a way where we get to step back and we get to begin to watch God move. Here are some basic things that we see him pray. And I'm sharing them with us so that we can, and you guys have these passages, you can always go back and look at them. But I'm going to share just some basic things that we see amongst these three passages that we see him do over and over he prays for them with gratitude. Again, the people in our lives need to know that we care. What if we actually really <laughs> tell them, I'm really praying for you. I'm praying for you every day. And maybe even ask, is there something specific I can pray for you about? Here's some things I'm praying for you about. I'm praying you'll pursue God. I'm telling God I'm thankful for you. I'm telling God that I love you. And I'm, telling, and I'm asking God that he would use you to love others and so on and so on. So, but what would it look like? How would, how would it encourage them to know that you are praying for them every day? Who are those people that God's laying on your heart? Secondly, that they know that we love them. That we know that we love, that we love them. And that and as we pray for them, that we're praying, God, I love this person. Please care for this person. Please protect this person. Please provide for this person. I prayed this morning after the first service. I've got uh, three or four friends that I specifically prayed for by name, and none of them know the Lord. And these aren't just like haphazard acquaintances of mine because of my side business. Uh, a couple of them especially have become like really close friends of mine. I would even call them best friends. And they don't know the Lord. And I'm praying for them, and I'm praying for them because I want them to know what I have had happen in my life could be for them, and that God could do that for them, and that he could save them, and that they could know what the love of God is really like. That they can know what life is really about. He prays for them with gratitude. He prays for them with affection. He prays for them that their holiness would increase. He prays for them that their holiness would increase. And along with that, that their wisdom and knowledge of God would increase. And with their holiness increasing, you might go, okay, well, I know that word, but I'm not sure really what that means. Like I'm, I'm praying for somebody's holiness to increase. What's that really mean? It means that you're praying for them to pursue God, that they would become more like him. And we don't become more like God if we're not pursuing God. And we're coming back to that pursuing God thing again, and we're going we're gonna to come back to that, and we're going we're gonna to hammer pursuing God through 2018 until we're all sick to death of hearing the term pursuing God probably. And that's okay. Because if there's anything that I think that we could just hammer and hammer and hammer, I think it's that we've got to pursue God. And out of doing so, we will grow in white wisdom and knowledge of God and discernment. All things that we see him praying for these people in these three books. He prays that they would bear fruit and that their love would abound more. 
He prays that God would use them. He prays that they would begin to understand the calling that he has put on their lives. And in every one of those three passages, he makes mention of the inheritance eternal. He makes mention of the inheritance just in general, but then he also makes it eternal and reminds us that our hope is not here. And that's hard for us because we're so here. You know, we're so right here most of the time. And we, we have a hard time thinking about anything beyond here because here is really God's busy. We got plates spinning, you know, and we're just, you know, got all this stuff going on. And it's all super important because we're super important and we've come up with all these super important things. And the truth is, is we've super importanted ourselves out of the most super important thing that we could ever do with our lives, which is pursuing God. And so he's praying that they would bear fruit for the kingdom and that their love would abound more. In other words, what he's praying is he's, he's saying, I'm praying for you that people would see Jesus in you. I'm praying for you that people around you would know Jesus because they know you. And he's praying and reminding us that the future is a hope not here. It is in Jesus. It's an inheritance. And he's encouraging them to pray for the saints. To pray for the body, to pray for the church. Very simple. The last thing that I see that's a commonality, and I'm probably missing some, so you know, that's what happens when God changes the direction of a message like the night before. Or the morning before. Or the morning of, maybe I should say. Um, I see him referring to seeing in all of those situations when they were changed by the gospel. And also that that is what makes them acquaintances. In other words, that's their commonality. And I think this is different than what we do. I'll give you an example. We go to the store, we see somebody, and we're talking to somebody, you know, somebody, you know, and, and somebody from church or whatever, we're like, hey, what's going on, man, all that? And then somebody else comes over, somebody that that person doesn't know, like, oh, hey, buddy, this is, uh, this is Jimmy. Uh, Jimmy, me and, me and buddy, we go to church together. Nothing wrong with that. Don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with that. But there's a difference, and I think the way Paul is describing the acquaintance between one another, and I think that what he is saying is that we are believers together. You see, you see the difference in that, that it's about Jesus and not about the group of people specifically. And, and, and I, just, I don't know. I'm just challenged in the thought of what's it look like when we're at the store and we introduce Buddy to Jimmy, and instead of saying we go to church together, we say we're pursuing Jesus together. Probably not to say it that way, but we're both believers. But maybe it's as simple as saying, yeah, buddy here, he loves Jesus like no other. And then Jimmy's like, huh, cool, or weird, whatever. It could be any of that. And you and I both know that, and that's okay. But, you know, in a culture where we all know that 
everybody knows that if we do something and we tell them about it and it's more about like we want you to come to our thing i want you to come to my church because me and buddy go there instead of it making about making it about that what if we're making it about pursue jesus with us i don't know it's just a thought and in general this morning I think the thought is for us is that we are called to pray for one another. We are called to lift one another up. And, and in that, God does something in our lives as we're pursuing him for them. We're, we are pursuing him for us and we're being reminded of the truth of the gospel. Thanking God for saving them is a reminder of thanking God that he has saved us. Asking God that he would complete the work that he has started in them is a reminder for us that he is going to complete the work he has started in us. You see where that goes? And it just goes on and on and on. So, so here's a question for you this morning. First of all, if you, if you never trust in Jesus today, believe in him to save you. He's it. He's the only way. And God has made a way for you to do that. It doesn't matter what's happened in your past. He loves you, cares for you. God sent his son to die for you. And he wants you today to be saved. He wants you in the family. Full inheritance. Secondly, for those of us that are believers, I think today a question for us that we have to ask ourselves is who is God laying on our hearts that we would pray for them? Who is God laying on our hearts? On my heart, he's laying, laying Dave and Matt. These guys that I care for and I love. And I want them to know Jesus. And he's laying friends of mine around me that are believers who I think are pursuing Jesus. But I need to be better about praying for them. And, and how might God use that, not just in my life, but how might he use it in theirs? What a great and awesome, unbelievable thing that we can come to the most mighty, unbelievable, all-powerful being of all creation and ask him to intervene in the lives of people that we care about. And why would we miss out on that? I mean, what a great opportunity. So this morning, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads just for a second. And I just want you to think about who those people might be that God is leading you to pray for. And as he's leading, you know, as you're just coming up with those names, and I want you to start praying for them just yet. Because here's what we're going to do today. We're going to take communion like we normally do. We're going to remember what Jesus has done for us. And then after that, we're going to have a time of prayer instead of the usual song, sing type thing. We're going to have a time of prayer where you can pray for those people. And you can do that down front or you can do it at your seat. I don't really care where you do it. Wherever you're comfortable, I just want you to pursue Jesus on their behalf. And pray for those people that he's putting on your heart. They may be people that drive you nuts. They may be your best friends. They may be your family. They may be your parents. They may be your kids. Maybe somebody else, I don't know, co-workers or whatever. But may we pursue Jesus in such a way. And ask him to do a work in their lives. God, we come to you right now and we ask. Um, Lord, I ask that you would hear our prayers today. We ask that you would intervene in the lives of the people that you're placing on our hearts. God, and as we come to this time, God, be glorified in it that we would remember what you've done for us. And as we spend some time in prayer after that, God, I pray that you would um, lead us in how to pray for them. 
how to be thankful for them, how to love them well, how to let them know we're praying for them. God, just use us. Use us in their lives, Lord, as you have worked in ours. Thank you for your son, Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.